What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This program may contain material of an explicit or graphic nature. Viewer discretion is advised. (laughs) 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 Harry Palm. (laughs) Ghost Boner. There's two boys and a dog and a train. Red Rocket, Red Rocket. <laughs> the taste. Chuck Jones. Fifth. Chuck Jones. Fifth. And we're back! As H.P. Lovecraft once said, if it smells like fish, throw the fucker back. Broadcasting Undead from the B-Ward, this is the Postmortem Show. I'm Dom. And I'm JD. And today, we're going to bring you our top five horror movie hospital and asylum scenes. They're coming to take us away. Ha ha! <laughs> yeah, sometimes they are, Dom. <laughs> and uh, man, this, this was a very diverse list. Uh, I think I about half hospitals, half asylums, but went with scenes and movies that take place in these places yeah. as a major plot point. But I have a couple that are just one-off scenes in, in an asylum or a hospital that I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've got a, a mix of the two. God, I love me some hospital horror. Hospital yeah. horror and prison horror I really like. <laughs> and we have some postmortem news before we get into horror news. Um, we just dropped Biff Tracks, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth over on our Patreon. So if you want a full-length commentary over the movie, check it out. What was it? Long anticipated, often... Long anticipated and heavily procrastinated. That's what it was, yeah. Biff Tracks. Been talking about it for years, but full length commentary to Hellraiser 3. We are going to do some more movies in the future. We might drop these like once a quarter. So if you're interested in some more bonus content, check out our Patreon. Just like our new patron, David, did. We got another new postmortem patron. Oh, yeah. We're expanding. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody else cares. <laughs> thank you, David, for hopping on, and we'll get some stickers out to you. And if anyone else wants to check out our bonus content, it's www patreon.com slash postmortem show and we should now, change it to postmortem show.fuckmcgarris <laughs> that'd be a good website for us clint cole has a uh podcast and he gave us a mention on it and uh he made it very clear that we are the postmortem show not that other shit with mick garris yes i believe his podcast is called 80 ounces to freedom or something like that uh, i'm gonna look it up right now because i feel feel like we should reciprocate i, I feel uh guilty if uh dom you, you don't you, even remember the name you don't want to be the kind of man that fucks another man in the ass and doesn't have the common courtesy to give him a hand job 
it's called a reach around dog. Get your terminology <laughs> right. 84 ounces to freedom is Mr. Cole's podcast. Hey, I was right. You said 80 ounces. Did I? You're off Damn by it. four I was ounces. off by four. You know what, though? That's a, that's a pretty good margin. <laughs> so, yeah, check it out. Uh, we appreciate your support over on our Patreon, Clint. So, and now it's time for some horror news. Horror news. So, Dom, I'll start us off because I have sort of a backwards piece of horror news. Okay. Is it like horror old information? No, it's that instead of an awesome Japanese movie getting westernized and remade, we have an awesome movie getting remade in Japan. Interesting. Vincenzo Natalie is producing the Japanese remake of his sci-fi classic, Cube. Okay. I'd be interested to see a Japanese interpretation of that. By Takashi Miike, yes. but That would be even better, yeah. This is by Yashuhiko Shimizu. Natalie is very supportive of the project, which hits Japanese theaters on October 22nd, 2021. So hopefully after COVID is cleared up. Yeah. I love Cube, but I think it's a near-perfect movie that doesn't need a remake. Still, it's sort of interesting to see the trope of English remakes of Japanese films flipped on its head. Japan's like, fuck you, America. <laughs> we can do it too. Yeah, cute. Japanese version, coming soon. I'll check it out. Joe Bob Briggs and Shudder are teaming up again for a Valentine's Day special, Joe Bob Put a Spell on You. Via Twitter, Briggs said, We found a holiday that we haven't ruined yet. We're going to fix that on February 12th. The special will be a double feature with Joe Bob's signature commentary, and he's keeping the movies a surprise until February 12th. He always does. Yeah. I like that. You never know what you're going to get. Might not have anything related to the holiday, like a very phantasm Christmas. Fuck, Joe Bob. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? When I think about Christmas, I think about metal balls stabbing people in the head. Well, the metal balls are kind of appropriate as like Christmas tree decorations. Jingle bells. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's our rating system. Tall man's jingle balls. <laughs> and, and the Jawas, the death Jawas are kind of like elves. Yeah. Tall man's jingle balls. All right. Boy. <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. Wacky 90s prankster and star of one of my favorite stupid comedies, Freddy Got Fingered. Tom Green is making his debut in the horror genre. Oh, really? No, he's not painting lesbians on his dad's car. <laughs> is he sucking a dead moose's dick? <laughs> this time, his bum won't be on the cheese either. But instead, it will be searching for Bigfoot in the upcoming horror comedy, Interviewing Monsters and Bigfoot. Okay. Tom Green and Bigfoot, Dom. How do you feel about that? Two of your favorite things coming together like butt cheeks. I wouldn't say Tom Green is one of my favorite things, though I do enjoy him. But I would like to see his take on Bigfoot. Bigfoot, would you like some sausage? <laughs> Bigfoot, would you like some sausages? <laughs> Listen to my hooves. <laughs> By the book Forest Ranger, Billy Teal played by Tom Green, is dead set on preventing Corey Mathis, played by Les Stroud, from finding the truth about the Mark Twain forest. Mathis, a professor, claims Bigfoot killed his wife, turning him into a man obsessed with revenge. Mathis partners up with a team of misfits for the capture of the creature, but Ranger Teal, a covert government agency, and a serial hoaxer have other plans. Okay. It's going to come direct to video this April, and a trailer's available online that has me scratching my head and wondering why I'm not excited for a Tom Green Bigfoot movie. <laughs> but I'll reserve judgment until it hits VOD. It looks really low budget, and uh, Tom Green being the worst version of Tom Green. Uh, so we'll see. Is he directing it, or is he just in it? No, he's just like a, a character in it, one of the main characters, but it's kind of like uh, trying to be like nostalgic, like he had some like salad on his head or something at one point. Oh, uh, 
So he's trying to be Tom Green in this movie, but he's a sheriff. So it's like, right. <laughs> the sheriff, he's skating. He's painting zebras. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's like 50 now. I, I feel like some of the, the energy that you have when you're in your 20s and early 30s is gone when you're in your 50s. And it's like, it's like when you go see a band and the guy's in his 70s, but he's still trying to like be Paul Stanley or something like that, you know? I think that... um. Well, Paul Stanley is doing that. <laughs> yeah. But I, think- I I was trying to like be uh, uh, be diplomatic about that because I know we have some Kiss fans in our listenership, <laughs> but I, I ultimately failed at that. Fuck Kiss. <laughs> Boomer Juggalos. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer Juggalos. I like it. Uh, yeah, but uh, Tom Green, you know, Canadian as fuck and very awkward. I think that's why I maybe like him a little bit more than you. You know, I love my awkward comedy. He's a very awkward individual. You know what else? He's a very, very good freestyle rapper. Really? Yeah, it's like one of his things. Because before he had the Tom Green show and was doing all that stuff, he was part of like a hip-hop crew in Canada. Um, but there's video of Informer. him. Yeah. <laughs> there's video of him doing uh, freestyle hip-hop battles, and he's he's really impressive. That's very strange to me. Yeah. Is it is his other crew, Glenn, from the Tom Green show, his friend? I <laughs> <laughs> just laughed all stupid. <laughs> And Phil with the coffee cup. Randomly, Bam Margera's there. (laughs) (laughs) David Cronenberg is coming back to horror thanks to some persuasion by the always great Viggo Mortensen. In an interview with GQ, Mortensen said, Yes, we do have something in mind. It's something he wrote a long time ago and never got it made. Now he's refined it and he wants to shoot it. Hopefully it will be the summer that we're filming. I would say, without giving the story away, he's going back to his origins. When GQ asked if Back to His Origins means a return to body horror, Mortensen replied, Yeah, it's very interesting. It's almost like a strange film noir story. It's disturbing and it's good, I think. But since his origins, he's obviously developed in terms of technique and self-assurance as a director. I, for one, welcome Cronenberg's return to horror. Hell yeah. Cronenberg and body horror? Yeah. That's what it needs to be. And Viggo Mortensen. He's a really underrated actor, I think. Yeah, and they have a working relationship from History of Violence. Yeah. I think he was in something else, too. In the article, it mentioned him being in Maps to the Stars. Oh, yeah, he was in Maps to the Stars, yeah. But uh, History of Violence is underrated. Yeah, it's a good movie. And the guy from uh, Pontypool in that, in the beginning? Yeah. So fucking good. Menacing. It's what he's good at. We review the soon-to-be classic, Psycho Goreman, last show. Stephen Cassiancy's gory horror kids movie was a huge hit with us, as I'm sure it was with most of our audience, other than my friend Jason. He didn't like it. No, I don't. I don't know. I just uh, assume okay. he didn't because it's got laughs in it. Right. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not one for laughter. <laughs> I don't got time for laughter. <laughs> There's no joy in my life. <laughs> Only guitar. Only guitar and weights. <laughs> now available for pre-order is a limited Hunky Boys Ultimate Edition of Psycho Corman. <laughs> Nice. It includes a package of five collectible trading cards, three commentary tracks, behind-the-scenes featurettes, interviews, trailers, Easter eggs, reversible cover art, and the full soundtrack on CD, and it's region-free, so it can play on any player. Awesome. Only 2,000 copies will be released, and I'm sure at least one will end up here in the B-Ward. If you guys haven't checked out Psycho Goreman, a.k.a. The Lord of Wonderful Smooches. Yeah. <laughs> do yourself a favor. I love that movie. Yeah, do it. Um, I'm waiting for Psycho Gorman action figures. I think that they would be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not one for the action figures. I'm generally not either. Like, I got 
uh, Michelle got me a Jason Voorhees action figure. It's, but it's one of like the high detail ones. And it's an awesome little display thing. But if there were Psycho Gorman action figures, I would buy them. I collect penguins action figures, I guess. And I got four pops. I got a Jason, yeah. a Doom, and two penguins. And then I got a Army of Darkness Ash and a bunch of reanimator shit. We've got those Leslie Vernon action figures somewhere. We got the so, Leslie yeah. Vernon, yeah. Um, but I'm actually going to be clearing this whole place out and during my break, uh, season break from True Crime Horror Story. Nice. I'm building the studio now. Awesome. It's getting done. We're clearing it all out. We're building the studio finally. Figured it was a matter of time. So audio quality will go up even more. Nice. Richard Kelly, director of Donnie Darko, is jockeying to make a biopic of the creator of The Twilight Zone, Rod Serling. Of course, knowing Kelly, this won't just be a straight-up narrative. He told Coming Soon, It's a very ambitious project, and we want to get it right. We want to make sure we have all the right talent, the right budget, and all the elements need to be just perfect for that project because we have so much respect for Rod Sterling's legacy and the enormous footprint that he left on our business and our culture. We've been working on that for several years. We've been working closely with Anne Sterling, Rod's daughter. I've adapted her memoir about her father and his life, and it's a very ambitious approach to a biopic, and it involves a lot of fantasy elements. I love Richard Kelly as a director. I love Rod Sterling as a huge part of horror history, and I would love to see what he would do approaching that. Rod Serling is the most porn name for someone who's never been in porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His upper lip doesn't move. It's weird. Yeah, he's he's a strange fellow. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very intense. Yes. With his cigarette. <laughs> That's it for Horror News. We'll be back with Dom and JD at the movies after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go down to the movies with Dom and JD. Blood, boobies, and... Psychos, monsters, bloody slashes, maniacs, and tits and asses, chainsaws, knives, and facial bashes on postmortem. Let's go down to the movies with Dom and JD for some more Doug Jones. No, Doug Jones. All right, we're back with Dom and JD at the movies. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row we're reviewing the same movies, Dom, and uh, we'll probably change it up and do good movie and bad movie next week. Um, I got one bank, so that's good. Nice. We got to do a Professor Riff's Time Machine again. We haven't done one of those in a while. Nostalgia Killers. We got a bunch yeah. we haven't done. Our first movie is something that we talked about in the horror news last episode. It's a 2010 German extreme horror movie written and directed by Olaf Idenbach. The Snowman from Frozen. Available for rent on Amazon Prime for the low, low price of $1.99 and coming soon to Blu-ray. No reason. Engulfed by anguish, trapped inside of an allegory of torment and carnage, Jennifer's soul seeks the path of awareness and enlightenment. Suddenly, Jennifer is torn from a comfortable and inconspicuous life. While planning to move, the young mother and her husband will experience anything but an ordinary day. It all begins with a strange visit from her soon-to-be ex-neighbor, the postman, who mentions an urgent need <laughs> to shit on her toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> Later, when coming home from the grocery shopping, 
she discovers an elderly neighbor whose her son Nico's babysitter has disappeared. She also receives a terrifying and disturbing letter. The fateful delivery contains a macabre death poem by yet another occupant of her building, plus some compromising sex photos of her husband. And this is what it says, and the missing babysitter. But it's right. not the old lady in the photos. No, it's it's the other it's neighbor. the other neighbor. Yeah. So that's what sold me on this movie was the old lady and the husband. You know, right. I thought that was funny. I'm like, okay, this is going to be crazy. <laughs> but it wasn't that. So no. it's mismarketed. Or maybe it's just mistranslated. You know, maybe Probably. they translated it from German. To get over the initial shock of the disturbing news, she decides to take a bath and promptly falls asleep in the bathtub. When she awakes, she finds herself on the floor of her apartment, covered in blood and body parts. The center to this surreal and horrific scene is a mysterious masked man who promises to lead Jennifer on the right path towards a sacred white light. The story continues as a tale of physical and mental torture. So this opens up with some sad music and a combination of Polaroids and family videos that made me think I was watching the wrong movie. It was so long. Yeah, the opening credits. Like, this is a 70-minute movie, and I think probably at least 12 of those minutes was just opening credits. This is the longest 70-minute movie I've ever experienced yeah, in my life. for man. real. We then meet Jennifer, who's moving away from her apartment, and her weird neighbors. First, a guy who shits all over her bathroom. This has a really slow start, with Jennifer moping around over her husband and her life until we get the words. Layer one, level red. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, anytime anyone yells that at you, you know you're in trouble. And now she's surrounded by some sort of crimson hue, and she's naked and surrounded by dead bodies, and watches a video of her cheating neighbor hacked up by a guy in a spray-painted black Cthulhu mask. He was uh, BDSM Cthulhu. <laughs> SNM Cthulhu. <laughs> And then it goes to level two, green, where she wakes up in a green-tinted BDSM room where people are peeing on each other. Level three, blue. She wakes up in a blue-tinted room full of physically deformed, almost Cenobite-like creatures. Also, as she's going through these different uh, colored tiers, like when she wakes up in the next color, she's got a part of her body missing. Yeah, she's always like uh, more fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Missing an eye at one point. Yeah, yeah, her teeth are all pulled out. Yeah. Level four, yellow. Jennifer awakens in That's yellow. where people should have been peeing on each other. <laughs> yeah, they got the colors wrong. It's a uh, translation yeah. problem. Well, she she has this book that the that BDSM Cthulhu is making her read as she goes through it, and it talks about the like cultural significance of different colors. And so as she goes into each colored thing, she has to have some revelation that has to do with that color and the psychological shit behind it. So in yellow, Jennifer awakens in a yellow-tinted room full of dead people, and the truth of what is happening is finally revealed, and it really isn't that much of a surprise. No. Like it was meant to be, according to the direction, I think. So this movie had a really good trailer that made me think it was going to be on par with Baskin, but it's really low budget and the acting is a miss, and they took really a collection of random scenes from the different colored things and made it seem like the whole movie was crazy. Yeah. When it's like three parts. And then afterwards, there's this whole, like, crime drama section that was, like, completely out of left field. Yeah, that was, yeah. Tries to be a little too artsy, but the cinematography can't match the inspiration. Yeah. It's like a German version of Flowers without the skill. Yeah. There were things in it that I liked. There was some industrial imagery that I liked and some of the, the costuming and, like, the there, there, Cthulhu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there were good ideas there. There was just a lack of ability to execute. Yeah. And it was too fucking long, and there was too goddamn much exposition just standing around talking. Some grisly already dead corpses, but horrible effects in the actual killing scenes and the worst gunshots of all time. The kind where people sit there and dance like as they're getting shot and they're like moving around. Squibs exploding and they're yeah. like having a seizure. 
Like what Terra Firmer makes fun of when the black guy gets shot like 800 times, yeah. you know, and he's like moving his arm one way. Then it's like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Exactly. <laughs> it's what that scene is making fun of in Terra Firmer. At only an hour and 12 minutes, no reason felt too long and dragged out for me. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, there was no reason for anyone else to have to watch this movie. <laughs> it was pretty nihilistic. You know, they have this whole thing about, oh, we're taking you through different stages of enlightenment. And then, like, she just, like, is a scumbag afterwards. Yeah. It's, it's totally German. Yeah. It's, it, it is very German. Um, it showed promise. And if this was a first release from a new director, I would say, you know, all right, cool. This is his first movie. Like he's he's getting his footing. He's trying to figure it out. But this is like his eighth movie that he's made. I went and looked at his his IMDb page and he's done a bunch of other shit. And this movie is way too amateurish for someone who's made more than four movies. Yeah. Watch German angst instead if you want to watch a good German movie or necromantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Not melancholy Durangle. Yeah, fuck that movie. What do you want to say about this, Tom? It was imperfect. It was too fucking long. They didn't figure out show, don't tell. And I think there's probably only 30 minutes of actual movie. And the rest of the 70 minutes is either credits or just blah, blah, blah that they did not need to do. Her running around naked and crying. So yeah. A lot of a naked whole, and crying, yeah. A whole lot of nudity and blood in this movie, yeah. but it's the same nude woman covered in blood the yeah. entire time. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, to judge anyone's appearance or anything, but I was going to, I'm going to say that. I'm just going to throw it out there. Not nudity I want to see well, ever. <laughs> she was playing a heroin addict and she looked like it. So for that reason, you're going <laughs> to give that a little plus there? Uh, no, I'm just going to say that's, that's what it was. You know, that, that's not a plus or a minus for me. It just was what it was. It was definitely a situation where the guy had more ideas than he had skill. There was some cinematography coolness. There was some weirdness here and there. It had these little shimmers of of things that could have been great, but it was definitely it was definitely not all it was cracked up to be. Yeah, and the the Cthulhu mask is stupid. Yeah, it's it literally is. spray painted black. And yeah. It's one of the kinds you can get online like for like fifty bucks. Twenty bucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's literally forty nine ninety nine yeah. because I've debated oh. getting it. I was thinking about using my old like cult leader kind of robe. It was uh -huh. kinda like uh the Omega Man, those creatures yeah. robe, you know, the the like headpiece thing and, and having an octopus mask and, and like a Cthulhu mask and like tentacle hands. Yeah. And going with that one of these days? Well, that would be cool for a haunted house, but yeah. not for a fucking movie that you're expecting people to pay to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was totally just like a pinhead costume and a cheap Cthulhu mask that was spray painted black. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's really all it was. Um. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I'm not going to say I wasn't bored because there were some boring parts. There was enough to make me like wonder what was going to happen next. I was never like, all right, I'm ready to turn this off. But yeah, I was. If we weren't reviewing it, I wouldn't have got through. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I was falling asleep. I definitely wouldn't have gotten through the last third because the last third just totally lost me. But yeah, the the, the hell sequences had some coolness to them, I guess. IMDb gives no reason. 4.2. I think that's a little overrated. To wow. me. I'm going to give it 3.4. Santa Tall Man's Jingle Balls. <laughs> I gave it five, but now that we talk about it, I kind of want to knock that down to four. 
Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it four Santa Tall Men's Jingle Balls. <laughs> ho ho ho, boy! <laughs> Jingle all the way. <laughs> and in the background is Reggie Bannister being incredibly inappropriate with women. Really? Is that what he would do? Well, no. In uh, in Phantasm Ravager three, <laughs> he he was he had that that black girl with him that he was perving on the whole time. Oh yeah. And then the song for Dawn and Ravagers, pretty <laughs> horrible. Why do they have to add that? I think that uh, Santa Tallman, as he's getting pulled, it's by a sleigh of those like demented Ewok things. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and one on the end with a bright red nose, but it's Reggie Bannister's face. <laughs> no, it's just one of those balls stuck into the nose, like with the little sharp part. Yeah. And it's spray painted red. Do you think it matters if you've been naughty or nice? No, I don't think he's For Santa Tallman? Yeah, no. no. I think he just shows up and like fucks your shit up. Yeah. And as he gets closer, you realize that he's only like five foot eight. Right. <laughs> that was one of the things where Phantasm Ravager kind of lost it a little bit was the tall man was not very tall anymore. He was he was quite elderly at that point. That's one of the good uh, cinematography tricks yeah. in horror, you know, to make him look. He looked huge yeah. in those movies. He did. And he wasn't. Yeah. Oh, it's like, uh, you know, Brad Pitt's pushing six feet and Tom Cruise is like five feet tall. And in an interview with a vampire, they made them look of equal height, which involved a lot of forced perspective. And Tom Cruise was standing on his wallet at the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for no reason, Dom. Like I said, no reason to watch this one, guys. Um, I wanted more from it. Yeah. Um, I was really disappointed because I saw Baskin-level scenes in that trailer or Baskin-esque scenes. And... Put it over highly in the news last episode. So if you've already watched it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was less Baskin and more Robbins. <laughs> yeah. I felt robbed when I watched this movie. Too. <laughs> I was the one who paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But I Robin, paid the $1.99. You paid the $1.99 and I piggybacked on you. But <laughs> but it robbed me of an hour and 12 minutes of my life. I did, yeah. And I'll never get that. And like when I brought it up, I'm like, oh, cool. This movie's only 70 minutes long. Fucking four and a half years later, I'm like, I got a long ass white beard. <laughs> You've already went through the blue and the green and the purple stage. Yeah. At that point. <laughs> oh, we're getting into magenta. <laughs> All right. Our next movie is something that just breezed right by. unlike the other one. And it's a 2017 written directed by Eduardo Casanova. Cool name, by the way. Sounds like a pro wrestler. It does. I am Eduardo Casanova. I'll pin you and then I'll fuck your wife. <laughs> That's his finishing move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one whose finishing move happens after the match is already <laughs> over. And presented by Alex De La Iglesia, one of my favorite directors of all time. Streaming now on Netflix, Pieles, a.k.a. Skins. Suggested by Clint Cole. So another reference to Mr. Cole. So yeah. shout out to you again. In a strange world where people share numerous deformities, the same problem we all face challenges each of them. To find someone who accepts you as you are. Sometimes, that means finding yourself first. What a beautiful synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> a man enters a pink room where a naked old lady tries to explain the meaning of life to him through perversion and short stories about deformity. Yeah. I fucking loved the beginning of this movie. <laughs> I knew what I was in for. Yeah. Starts out with a girl with no eyes singing as a naked old woman plays the piano. In the first segment, a young woman has an ass instead of a mouth and struggles with daily life. <laughs> when she has to blow out the candles on her birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> Another woman has a lopsided face and a mean boyfriend covered in burns who just wants to be normal. 
she doesn't understand that. Yeah. Why change who you are? And then she's got another guy who's like totally in love with her, but it's not really her as a person. It's just that he's a fetishist. Yeah, he likes deformities. deformed people. Yeah. There's a prostitute with no eyes with some lovely diamonds she likes to put on them. Played and, uh, by uh, Macarena Gomez, who was Dagon. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't catch that because you know what? I couldn't see her Dagon eyes. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> has those big eyes. freaky eyes. Yeah. And they took them away. Yeah. <laughs> it's casting against type. It is. <laughs> a dwarf is tired of being a TV mascot on a kid's <laughs> show. These characters all live in the same weird world and mostly interact with each other. Kind of Pulp Fiction style. Where it's There's like also the uh, series. the kid who thinks that his legs aren't his legs and he wants to be a mermaid. Oh, yeah. I forgot. About, yeah. yeah, that one's awesome. Yeah, the kid who doesn't want legs. Willing amputee. And his, <laughs> uh, his psychologist in that or his psychiatrist who has the weird stomach issue was uh, Carolina Bang, who was in Witching and Bitching. Yeah, she's in everything. Yeah. All, all Alexia Iglesias stuff. A lot of Alexia Iglesias cast members. Yeah. So. Yeah, Macarena Gomez was also in um, Witching and Bitching. She was the guy's wife. Okay. Hey, Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely see the influence of Alexia Iglesias on one Eduardo Casanova. This is a sad yet sort of funny movie with a message for society about those who are different and about some people that use their differences as an excuse for their behavior and others who strive for better. Yeah. So it's kind of like taking advantage of the hand that you're dealt for the positive and the negative. There's two sides of it in here. Well, and it was also, there are these people with these, these horrible deformities. And then there were people who generally looked normal, but still like had soul deformities, basically the really fat girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so this wasn't, wasn't a horror movie as far as I was concerned. It's this was a soap opera. <laughs> it's a romantic comedy with like freakish people. Yeah. But definitely deserves to be talked but about. But weird and uncomfortable as fuck. Yeah. It's awkward <laughs> enough. And you can definitely see the influence of Alex Iglesia. The butthole mouth girl where she tried to smile. <laughs> the kissing scene. Oh, God. <laughs> and she's got a butthole mouth that has like pubes around it. Yeah. And then a mouth in her actual butt. Mm -hmm. Does she actually poop out of her mouth or poop out of her butt? I think, or her butt mouth, or her mouth butt. I think she probably poops out of her face, but they never showed that because they should have. <laughs> she ate with her butt, right? Yeah, she yeah. Put, so she's got to yeah. poop out of her mouth. Yeah, that should have been the finale during the kissing scene. <laughs> that should have been the finale. <laughs> she farts in his face. Squirt. <laughs> that would have been the cherry on top of this movie for me. It would have been a full on JD movie instead. <laughs> it's about three quarters of a JD movie, yeah. but I really appreciate it. It also had the, uh, the guy from night of the Virgin as a rapist. Yeah. Um, pretty much his role, <laughs> what he's, what he's going to do for the rest of his life. Yeah. Always be a creep. You know what though? He kind of looks like Gomez Adams, like from the Adams family, um, comic strip. Cause once, uh, John Aston started playing him in the show, and then Raul Julia took over. They made him a more suave character. But in the original Adams Family comic strip, he was like really like puggy and creepy. Skins features deformed masturbation, willing amputation, hairy ass faces, and more. I can definitely see why Alex Daly Iglesias' stamp of approval is on this movie, and he's willing to put his name as a presenter. Yeah. It has great practical effects and set design. It's awkward as fuck, and it's a must-watch for fans of Alex Daly Iglesias and a great debut for Eduardo Casanova in his first film. There is um, implied child molestation in it, though, also. So if that kind of thing uh, bothers you, maybe you want to skip that one, just as a warning. IMDb gives Pieles, a.k.a. Skins, 
6.2. I think that's way too low, Dom. I give it 8.2. Santa Tall Man's Jingle Balls. Okay, I gave it 7.75. I liked it. Um, I thought that there were points where the joke kind of wore itself thin. Um, but on the whole, I liked it, and I definitely want to see more from Eduardo Casanova. And he wants to see more of your wife. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, my belle. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Check it out, Pieles, Skins. It's definitely worth a watch. Streaming on Netflix, you ain't got nothing to lose. Yeah. So you won't lose your $1.99 watching No Remorse. <laughs> and as far as movies on Netflix goes, it's better than nine-tenths of the shit that's on there. For sure. And I'd say it's probably the weirdest movie on Netflix currently. As far as I'm aware, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of really, really weird movies on Netflix anymore. They went totally mainstream. It's definitely, definitely bizarre. Yeah. All right. That's it for Dom and JD at the movies, Dom. And we're going to be back with our top five hospital and asylum horror movie scenes after this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with our top five horror movie hospital and asylum scenes. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I'm not feeling so good. Maybe I need to go to Our Lady of Biff Hospital. <laughs> Our Lady of Biff, huh? Yes. <laughs> That's where they check you for COVID in your butt. <laughs> Everything they check is, oh, you got a headache? Let me check your butt. It's like idiocracy. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes in your ear. This one goes in your mouth. This one goes in your butt. Wait, this one goes in. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's such a great movie. It is. It's so true. I'll start us off this week, Dom. With my number five. My number five is an old mental asylum turned into a mansion. And it's the home of Dr. Vanicut in House on Haunted Hill. All right. I have uh, a House on Haunted Hill reference on my list, but it's a specific thing. So uh, we'll, 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 do, we'll do them both. Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. He's the king of hospital and mental asylum horror. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Yeah. So. Yeah, House on Haunted Hill, the remake, is very underrated, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's one of those movies like 13 Ghosts that kind of um, fell in with a bunch of uh, other bad movies that came out during 90s, its time. Yeah, late 90s yeah. kind of shit fest. Early but. 2000s, yeah. And it does have some shitty CG in it at it some points. some problems, too. But the, the character of Dr. Vanica and Jeffrey Rush's character. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush is fucking great. Also, uh, Famke Jansen is Jeffrey Rush's character's wife. She's also really good. I have always had a major boner for her since I was a little kid. <laughs> she'll and always Goldeneye. be Jean Grey to me. Yeah, no, and Goldeneye, she'll fucking crush you with her legs. That's right. That's where I remember seeing her first. It's like, I'll fight you in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> with my PP7. PP7. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you made that joke too, huh? <laughs> Playing Goldeneye. I've got the PP7. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> her. That's when you put those little like silicone dick extensions on the right. The French tickler. <laughs> All right. Number five for you, Dom. My number five 
is Lars von Trier's miniseries for uh, Swiss TV, The Kingdom. The whole thing is set in a hospital that they make it set up like it's a haunted hospital, but it's so much more than that. And there's so much weird shit happening in it. It's fucking fantastic. I got to check it out. It's the first Lars von Trier thing I ever saw. And it's not as like dark and pissed off as some of his later work. Um, But it's very, very well done. And don't watch Kingdom Hospital, the American version of it that Stephen King produced, because that was utter shit. I got to check it out because I love me some Lars von Trier. So it has uh, uh, psychic people with Down syndrome who work in the hospital kitchen. Nice. Yeah. The Salisbury steak will cook itself. (laughs) The liver and onions lets me predict the future. <laughs> All right. My number four is a mental asylum, like psych ward slash prison that one Clarice Starling enters to interview Hannibal Lecter. Wherein one multiple Migs can smell her cunt. And that, that is the reason why it's on the list. It's not about. Hannibal Lecter. It's all about Migs. Yeah. Multiple Migs. Like, so multiple. Is that on the credits or had? had it's from the book. It's from the book. Yeah. Okay. Multiple. Is he has a multiple personality disorder or what? Um, I think it's because he was a multiple murderer. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he flings his semen at her in a scene that delighted me as a boy. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah. It's like toilet humor. Come to a really serious horror movie. <laughs> Oscar toilet humor. <laughs> I really like Silence of the Lambs, and uh, I think it's because it was like Oscar and stuff like that and really mainstream. I think a lot of people don't give it its due as a really, really grisly horror movie. Yeah, it is. Well-built, well-told story, and that scene, because she's going for Hannibal, and it builds the whole movie, those series of interviews. But just the one scene with Migs, it makes the fucking whole setting for me. You know, that's the story of my life. You go for the Hannibal, but you get the Migs. (laughs) And it's it's like uh, in this setting, you know what? Hannibal's this bad guy, but you know what? You're surrounded by other ones. Yeah. You don't know their stories. We need a MIG spinoff. <laughs> 90 <laughs> minutes of him jerking off. <laughs> no, it's it's like he got pardoned and it's just like a sitcom. He enters the room. Everyone's like fucking clapping. He's like Kramer. <laughs> yeah. <he's> like, <laughs> picture of him over the toilet. <laughs> All right, my number four is also from House on Haunted Hill, but it's a specific scene, and it's the patient riot. Really fucking gory, brutal scene, like where the nurse is getting stabbed in the neck by the guy who's holding, like, he's got, like, a fistful of pencils, and he's just fucking stabbing the nurse through the neck so hard that it goes through the other side. It's just so gory and fucking disgusting. A fistful of pencils would be really, really hard to stab through someone. Like, one pencil, I think you could stab through someone easier because... Uh As you make it wider and wider, it's not sharp anymore, right? Right. So what you got to do is you got to stagger your your pencils at different lengths. Okay. So then it's just like you, you make it down like an arrowhead, mm-hmm. like a spear. That works, yeah. Or you just like do a bunch of like PCP and then just fucking go crazy on someone. One pencil above them all. <laughs> I call it the pencil trader. <laughs> Ticonderoga number two. <laughs> All right. My number three is the end sequence of The Frighteners. Hell yeah. Johnny Bartlett and his psycho girlfriend chase them through the hospital, and uh, they keep seeing flashbacks of people from the actual murders of Johnny Bartlett kind of coming back and guiding him along the way, Michael J. Fox. And yeah. I really love The Frighteners. Peter it's... Jackson needs to come back to horror, man. He does. He was so good. 
I mean, that's where he got his start. You know, maybe maybe he's too good for us now. This is the world we live in where Peter Jackson leaves horror to do the fucking Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit leaves the Lord of the Rings to come to horror. <laughs> that's bizarro. That is weird. That is weird that that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, doing the Hobbit like he, he enjoyed doing Lord of the Rings and then he tried to do the Hobbit and apparently doing the Hobbit fucking broke him. Like the process was just so unpleasant. So, you know, maybe maybe he'll take some time off and, and come back to us. What if the fucking Hobbit fuck Elijah Wood can convince him to work with him in his oh, company? Oh, Spectre Vision, yeah. And do horror again, because unless they, they have heat, I don't know if, they, if they're, they're tight or what. But... I can't picture Elijah Wood having heat with anyone. He just seems so nice. I don't know. I, li- I listened to an interview with him on the King cast where he was talking about um, Misery, and he was talking about how um, he identified with Misery uh, because when he first uh, saw the movie, he was actually dealing with a stalker, but he didn't know how to deal with the stalker because he never wanted to be mean to her. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you can't be mean to a stalker, then like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I give him the benefit of the doubt now because of SpectreVision, but I still blame him for taking my beloved Peter Jackson. <laughs> and that's why I call him a hobbit fuck every single chance I get. That hairy footed shitbag. <laughs> My number three is Hellraiser 2, and it's the Chenard Institute, but it's not the regular Chenard Institute where Kirstie's being held. It's the basement of the Chenard Institute where the worst of the worst are being held. Oh, yeah. That scene, that scene is, um, it's very, like, whenever I watch it, it makes me feel, like, tight on the inside. You know, like, my, my intestines start to, like, shrink on the inside, just the way that, that they shot it. And the way everything's put together and how it's so cacophonous and there's all that screaming and all that, it, it puts me on edge. I need to rewatch Hellraiser 2. I haven't seen it since the 90s. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen it in so many years. The uh, director's cut, I believe, is on, it's either Prime or Shudder, but that's the like super gory version. That's the one to watch. Yeah, I don't know why, but I've seen it probably the least, it's the least fresh in my mind out of any Hellraiser movie. Really? I know it's your favorite, yeah. too. Mine will always be Bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch that one again. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Oh, really? Maybe yeah. we're going sequential for Biff Tracks. It's, it's not on any of the uh, <laughs> streaming services. So. I have it. Yeah? Yeah. I'll let you borrow it. Might have to Might have to Biff Tracks it, yeah. I think we need to change it up and do some Starship Troopers or something yeah. stupid. Carnosaur. <laughs> Carnosaur, that's a good one, yeah. We need to do something stupid for Biff Tracks, too, because Hellraiser 3 was, like, stupid yet good. Like, right. Watching Hellraiser 3, we, we don't need to get into Biff Tracks. You guys have a Patreon <laughs> for that, but. Watching it for the first time in so long, I think I said this on the end of the Biff Tracks, that like, I realized that I like it a lot more than a lot of the shit we review typically oh, nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, it's not a great movie, but it's better than a lot of fucking shit that's come out in the last 20 years. There's some nostalgia there. Yeah. A lot of cigarettes. <laughs> that that film set stank. Oh, yeah. That fucking club. Yeah. It's got to. J.P. Moreau stinks, too. My number two is The Void. Oh, shit, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, it's a hospital where yeah. this cult is invading, and it ends up being like another universe that opens up inside of it. Yeah. The Void is fucking badass. I've only seen it like three times so far. I need to watch it again. I too. think I've seen it like five or six times, because there was a while where I was just throwing it on, like randomly. That and The Devil's Candy, I'd always watch them together. I've only seen The Devil's Candy the one time. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's really good. It was a strong uh, year for horror. It was. My number three... Sorry, my number two is Jacob's Ladder, the hospital roll-through scene that gave us Silent Hill. Yeah, with the shaking heads and all that kind yeah, of stuff. 
and the one wheel on the gurney that's always off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good imagery in Jacob's Ladder. Adrian Lin is really fucking cool. Yeah. And it feels like those those hallways go on for like an impossible amount of distance for a hospital. I like his uh, chiropractor guy in that movie. Danny Aiello? Yeah. Yeah. His, that's actually my favorite character in that movie. Me too. I, I, and he's, he's kind of an angel, kind of a guide, but also like a chiropractor. What's your <laughs> least favorite character? The girlfriend. Oh yeah, for sure. That's I. I knew you would say it too. Yeah, no, she's a she's kind of a weak character. I, I also like the uh, doctor from Vietnam. Yeah, the one that keeps on trying to talk to him and help him and stuff. Yeah, but Jacob's Ladder. If you guys haven't seen that movie, gritty, and don't watch the remake. No, don't. <laughs> yeah, and watch the, watch the director's cut if you can, because the um the original cut that I think the ending is a little bit weak. It gets it's it has a little bit more of an edge to it in the director's cut. I don't know if I remember the difference between the two. The well, obviously the director's cut goes on a little bit longer, but the I, I don't know the director's the the original cut. I think the studio tried to make him um, put more of a neat little bow on it than what we got with the director's cut. It's okay. a little bit more obtuse. All right, Dom. My number one. My number one. Hospital connected to a morgue. Dom. Reanimator. Yeah. Reanimator had to be on my number one. I. I know it's banned. We haven't used the word banned for quite a while, but we banned it a long time ago. And I talked about it 300 more times right. since then, so I guess it's not really banned. But <laughs> Reanimator is my number two. It yeah. hurts my feelings. It's like maybe it is my. It's tied for my favorite movie. It's my 1.5. <laughs> I can't not. I can't not say it's my favorite movie. Anymore. Right. Well, it's you know the, I've seen movies that are better than Evil Dead, but you know Evil Dead will always be my number one. <laughs> yeah um the reanimator morgue scene was my number zero for this but we'll just go for it now the scene where uh the the dean is going in and he has like the head model on top of his body because yeah. his head's been cut off <laughs> that whole scene is just fucking not hilarious. the dean the doctor the doctor yeah yeah, yeah i love that <laughs> and the guy's reading his porno mag and he yeah. doesn't pay attention to it. <laughs> That's a man who does not give a shit about his job. There's an asylum scene there too with the the dad, the actual yeah. dean, you know, bashing his head on the That's thing. That's right. Yeah. A lot going on there. A lot of medical shit in those movies. Yeah. My number 1 is The Exorcist 3, specifically the scene with the nurse in the hall doing her rounds going from room to room and it's all done in one cut until the payoff scene at the end. And the whole scene is just a, a master class in setting up dread and then giving it a big payoff at the end. That's not a jump scare so much as it's a, oh, holy shit. Yeah. I, I don't want to spoil it because because um, I because I still want everyone who hasn't seen that movie to have that oh shit feeling. But it's just so well done. And as I've said a million times on this show, uh, The Exorcist 3 is the best sequel ever made. I knew that would be your number one, Don. Yeah. So I put it on my honorable mentions. Didn't make my list because I knew it would be on yours. So. All right. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. <laughs> my first honorable mention is Jacob's Ladder, which we just delved deeply upon. My second, Halloween 2. Underrated. Yeah. I love Halloween 2. Pretty good. I think it doesn't get its just desserts because it's a continuation of the first movie. Yeah. And those uh, spot titties. Got me through my childhood. Major man. <laughs> they kind of ditched the whole premise of Halloween 1 and why he's stalking her and yeah. all that kind of stuff and kind of ruined that aspect of it. But as far as the slasher and a continuation of the first, I like the fact that it's just when Halloween 1 ends, Halloween 2 starts. Right. So it's not like a, 
you know, three years ago when this happened. It's just literally like the moment that movie ends, it starts the, the next movie. I kind of like yeah, that because there's not a lot of that. In no, no, that, that was a neat way to do it. It didn't introduce a lot of elements into the series that I think ultimately fucked it up. But it's also like Halloween. I mean, it's a fucking classic and it's a great movie. But you got to admit there are parts that are pretty boring in it. And I think that with Halloween 2, they did step up the action a little bit and kept you more on the edge of your seats. So I'll give it credit on that, too. I don't know. I don't remember being bored in Halloween ever. I, honestly, the first time I watched it, I was in my room. And I remember thinking, like, it's one of these movies, like, as a kid. Sounds stupid now thinking back, but before I was so desensitized and stuff, right? I remember watching it and thinking about like, I'm going to sleep with my feet towards the window instead of my head towards the window because, you know, it'd be really easy for someone to break that window and pull me right out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that, that exact thought. And I've always, <laughs> I've always remembered that, you know? Yeah. Quicksilver Highway is an anthology TV movie. That I really fucking like with Christopher Lloyd mm -hmm. from Back to the Future as the Crypt Keeper kind of run around uh, through line. And there's a scene about it's an evil dead and idle hands kind of rip off of everyone's hands coming alive. And then it escalates to different body parts coming alive and trying to chop themselves off. That's right. Yeah. Ends up with a great nose scene. <laughs> Exorcist 3 on your list. 12 Monkeys. Great asylum scenes. Oh, yeah. Where they got to like hose Bruce Willis down and shit. Yeah. No, that's a prison. The, but Brad Pitt in the asylum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That scene. Yeah. When he's jumping around, everyone's laughing and they're chasing him around. And Strangeland. Captain Howdy gets to go to the asylum for a little bit in Strangeland. He does. So. That's it for my honorable mentions. All right. My first honorable mention is a movie that I didn't like when I first saw it, but I gave it a second chance many, many years later. And I liked it a lot more. And that's Session 9. In the abandoned mental hospital. Oh, so boring. I hate it. You know, I thought that the first time I watched it too, but then I read an article that was like in defense of session nine or something like that. And I went back and watched it again and I actually really enjoyed it the second time. It seems through. like a Dom movie. Like it's, it knows what it's talking about in regards to the, what it, its subject matter and yeah. stuff. But for me, the first time I watched it, I was like, it was like the year it came out. So I was uh -huh. young and. I was so bored with yeah. it. I well, just... there's a real head fuck aspect to it, but you, you got to kind of think about it before the head fuck aspect actually hits you and you're like, oh, shit. But uh, yeah, it's actually where I learned the um, learned the phrase business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I'd never heard that before uh, until that movie. <laughs> Another uh, honorable mention, it's two movies in the same series and it's... They're movies that I think get overlooked because they're set up like so many other fucking terrible movies. But these ones are really, really well done. And that's Grave Encounters 1 and 2. Okay. There's a Zach Baggins style guy investigating you, a haunted hospital. You've talked about that too, and I never have yeah. pulled the trigger. That's one thing I got to do. It's a watch this fucking Yeah, movie. it's definitely good. Uh, part 1 is better than Part 2, but Part 2 is weirder than Part 1. It's sort horrible, of like that Hellraiser effect. Horrible box art. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Very, very bad box it's like art. Like green CGI, kind of yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, but when the movie starts out, you feel like you're watching a bullshit, like, cheaply made found footage, you know, ghost movie, but it picks up business about halfway through. Okay. It's worth it. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Oh, fuck. That would have been on my list. Not the American version, but the original Chinese version of The Eye. Uh, it's about a girl who uh, gets in, she's blind, and she gets Jessica an eye. Alba? But she's Chinese. So Chinese Jessica Alba, she's blind. She gets an eye transplant. She can suddenly see ghosts. And then the eye also, like, all of the sequels to the eye are, like, different movies, all having something to do with ghosts. But I believe it's the eye three 
is about a girl who's pregnant and develops medium abilities and is tormented by ghosts that are trying to take over the fetus in her belly. And that's a very, very good one. Um, Body bags, the uh, the wraparound scenes with John Carpenter playing the uh, the Crypt Keeper oh, fuck, character. Yeah, that's a great idea. Especially the very, very last wraparound where he gets in the body bag because yeah. he's dead too. Yeah, I like that. Um, the Corpse of Anna Fritz has some good morgue scenes. And uh, the last one is not a horror movie, but it's a TV show that was parodying horror movies, specifically parodying Stephen King. And it was on Cartoon Network. It was called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Have you seen that? No, I've never even heard Dude, of it. Dude, you got to watch it. It's is that a cartoon? No, it's like Tim and Eric. It's like that that style. I don't even know what Tim and Eric is. You, Tim and Eric, good job. You don't you don't know what any, what that is? I have no idea. It was basically the precursor to Eric Andre. Okay. Yeah, it's it's what opened the door for Tim him. Tim and Eric Andre? Yeah, it's not Eric Andre though. It's a different Eric. Have you ever seen the the meme of uh, you know, Eric Andre the Giant is yeah. real. He can't hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Nick Swardson's show? Yeah, I did see that. I love Nick Swardson. It's Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is produced by the same people who made Nick Swardson's show. And it's shot like completely idiosyncratically like 80s TV miniseries. And it stars like Garth Marenghi is like this super egotistical like Stephen King horror writer who has his own show where he basically plays himself but as a doctor at Dark Place Hospital. And then all of the fucking stupid paranormal shit that they run into. And then they intersperse it with Garth Marenghi talking about how great he is. And it's fucking hilarious. I will watch that if you watch John Glazer loves gear. Specifically, the bicycles episode. Okay. <laughs> and then the hockey episode. It's, it, it, seems like a, it seems like something weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those shows like that that's kind of weird and... Either get it or you don't. It was on on True TV actually. It was only two seasons. Is it a is it a comedy show? Is it a joke or is it just? Yeah, it's fucking. He's got like a kind of like a Siri thing that he talks to and asks questions, and he's got like reoccurring characters, but it's always like about like gear. I love gear and like bicycle gears, like the best bicycles, the best bicycle pants, okay. the best bicycle helmet, all this kind of shit. Fishing. I always thought hockey. it was a show like uh, like Pickers. No, it's it's all about like he wants the best like of any whatever the subject is. He's gonna have he's and it shows like price tags like digitally like arrows pointing at like all the shit that he's wearing. And uh-huh. stuff. It's fucking stupid. Huh. You got to watch the bicycles episode and you'll you'll okay. appreciate. I'll it. I'll check it out. <laughs> all right. So after that tangent, <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> it's the end of the show, Tom. That's right. We're we're checking out of this hospital. We are. We're checking out of this hospital. Um, against doctor's orders. Against doctor's we're orders. We're walking through the parking lot in our in our hospital gowns with our asses sticking out of the back. We're going to jump on your car, Michael Meyerstein. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Biff learn to drive? <laughs> in the eyes. The devil's eyes. Look at One's going the other way. <laughs> yeah, the devil's definitely cockeyed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for our top five horror movie hospitals and asylum scenes. And on this episode, we reviewed No Reason, which, as JD said, you have no reason to watch. <laughs> and Skins, Pieles, which you should watch. Yes. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, you can follow us on social media at JDH138. At Cryptid Wrangler. Postmortem show on all your various outlets, True Crime Horror Story and Ghost Song Radio. That's right. And uh, go to uh, CrossroadsCandleCo.com and buy some candles from me because it rained a lot this week and I couldn't work. <laughs> and coming soon, exclusively to the Crossroads Candle Company, the postmortem candle. <laughs> it's got this face on it and it smells like fish. <laughs> it's called the throw the fucker back. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, I guess that's the right note to end this. So uh, as H.P. Lovecraft once said, as he opened himself a postmortem candle and gave it a single sniff and went, Ew! If it smells like fish, throw the fucker back. (laughs) 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 Harry Palm. Ghost Boner. There's two boys and a dog and a train. Red Rocket, Red Rocket. <laughs> the taste. Doug Jones. Fifth. Doug Jones. Fifth. And we're back. As H.P. Lovecraft once said, if it smells like fish, throw the fucker back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.